Wine Work and Passion is brought to you by the Napa Valley Wine Academy, America's premier wine school and two-time winner of the WSET Global Wine Educator of the Year Award. You can find a course that's right for you at NapaValleyWineAcademy.com and use the code in our show notes for a special discount. Welcome, wine enthusiasts and job seekers. I'm your host, Karen Wetzel, and Wine Work and Passion is the podcast where we inspire you to make a career out of your passion for wine. I'm so glad you're joining me today. I was lucky enough to connect with the talent acquisition team for the largest wine distributor in the U.S., Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. With over 22,000 employees strong, they are one of the largest wine industry employers in the world with job opportunities in 44 states. When meeting with their team, I found such a treasure trove of valuable information that I decided to run this as a three-part series to help you understand the varied opportunities there are in wine distribution across the country. I'm so happy they agreed to participate. Since this is the first episode in the series, I went right to the top. My guest is Vince Pierce, Southern Glazers Senior Director of Talent Acquisition. Vince will kick things off and give you amazing insights to get you started on your own wine career journey. Then Vince will pass the baton to his team for two more episodes where you'll learn about early career development as well as specific roles in sales, IT, and operations. I'm super excited about this series as it will give you a deeper understanding of wine roles that are available around the country and what it takes to get in the game. There is literally something for everyone in this three-part series. So without further ado, let's dive in and meet Vince. Hi Vince, how are you today? Doing well, Karen. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being on Wine, Work, and Passion. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Can you tell our audience who you are and what you do in the wine industry? I can, yes. So um, my name is Vince Pierce. I uh, work for Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Been here for a little over two and a half years, and I lead the talent acquisition function, so senior director of talent acquisition. Wow. Okay, great. And we're going to unpack all that because this is going to be an episode where, you know, this is the, you are the gatekeeper of employment. (laughs) And I think it's going to be really helpful to our team. So um, the way I connected with you and with Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits, well, first of all, I don't know if I mentioned this to you. I actually worked for Glazers before it was Southern Glazers in Ohio. Um, back in, let's see, well, I started, it was an independent company for a while and they bought it in, um, 2001 and I left in, when did I leave? Oh, six. So for about four or five years, I was, wasn't really Southern Glazers, but it was Glazers. Um, so we have that in common. Um, but anyway, um, so no, but knowing something about your company, and having worked in distribution myself and then working as a supplier with Constellation, of course, Constellation did lots and lots and lots of business with through Southern Glazers. And in fact, I've done a lot of education for a lot of your sales teams. I did back then. I haven't, I left in 2019, but I was a director of education and really covered, traveled all around the country talking to distributor sales rep teams and training them on brand, on sales skills. 
So I know a fair bit about your company and I connected on Instagram with your career page. The it's uh, Southern uh, SGWS careers. I think it's, it's on Insta. I'll look it up mm-hmm. before we hang up, but um, you know, you do a great job of not just promoting opportunities, but talking about, you know, your, the work culture at Southern and, and all the various opportunities. And one of the things I do in this podcast is I really mine for uh, a varied, a wide array of jobs to talk about. And because most people, when they think, oh, you're in the wine industry, they think you're either in sales or you work at a winery. Um, and that's about the extent of what most people know, but there's so much more to it. And I was just thrilled. I, I reached out uh, to your, uh, just DM'd the, your page on Insta and Debbie reached back <laughs> and the rest is history. We connected and I couldn't be happier because I know uh, this is going to be a great opportunity to, uh, and just so the audience knows, and I'll mention this again later, um, this is really part one of a three-part series. Uh, Vince is the uh, the senior director, so today we're going to do an overview, but then I've got two more episodes coming up, and each of those episodes will have two members of Vince's team that oversee specific roles, and we're going to really start diving deep in those, so make sure you look for those coming up. They're not going to be consecutive. There's going to be a couple different episodes in between, but make sure you look for those. So that's kind of how we connected, and I'm really just I'm so excited because I know we're going to bring so much great knowledge to the audience. So before we get to the interview, well, maybe not before, part of the first question of the interview is, what was in your glass the last time you had a glass of wine? <laughs> okay. Um, wow. Great question. Um, actually, it was, uh, we went out to a steakhouse not too long ago, and it was a 2019 Farniente. Um, Farniente from uh, Napa, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. producers of uh, Chardonnay and Cabs. I'm a, I'm a cab fan. Uh, nice. And yes, so we had the, uh, the 2019. So yes. That's wonderful. Well, shout out to my, my, my good gal pal, Kate McManus, who's the vice president of marketing for Farniente. <laughs> I don't know if you know Kate. But, I do not. Uh, I'd she, like to. Yeah, she's kind of new to the role. But anyway, yeah, Farniente for those of you who don't know, is really one of the most historic and revered wineries here in Napa. Um, and it's uh, it's not at the low end of the price scale. Let's just put it that way. It's very, well, very- celebration with our, uh, with our team. Yeah. Um, Year-end celebration with my team. Um, so it was, uh, it, 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 it was the, it was the right bottle for us to purchase. Yes, sometimes you need something special. And I told you to close off everything pinging and now I'm pinging. Um, Yeah, you have to have something special, especially around the holidays, because boy, your teams are working hard right now. It's O-N-D. So that's what happens. So let's, let's learn a little bit about you personally, because one of the things our audience likes to know is the individual's journey. So tell us about your journey. How how did you go from maybe college to working in the wine industry? Yeah, so um, appreciate that. So I was born and raised in Northern Illinois, and um, currently reside here in in South Florida. Um, came from a big family that was uh, very very much influenced by sports. So we we uh, there wasn't a point in time where we weren't off doing something outdoors and. 
just uh, a big family, family of eight. And so uh, we could we could basically field our own baseball team. And sometimes we did. So it, uh, it was fun times. But, you know, all of that uh, sports influence, it uh, it, uh, you know, it helped me to uh, obtain a, a scholarship. So I had a, a full ride for uh, baseball where I attended the University of South Alabama and um, was, once baseball was over, I uh, walked out with a uh, bachelor's degree in uh, business administration. And, um, you know, that was that was my first opportunity of really getting from the uh, the cold weather climate into a really warmer climate uh, down in Mobile, Alabama. And um, I think it stuck because I, uh, I found my way uh, to where my my life experience led me from shoveling snow to uh, finding ways to build sandcastles on the beaches of Florida. Oh, I love that. That's a great, that's a really great metaphor. I feel your pain. I'm from Cleveland and no. I've been here in Napa for eight years and I don't miss shoveling snow at all. I know. It's <laughs> I, did, I did my share. So, um, so when did you get, so you, okay, so you graduated in with business administration what was your first job, your first official job? After yeah, so you graduated? I, went, uh, I actually uh, I went into uh, was in uh, production uh, management for a, uh, a web printing company based in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey, and um, was there for, gosh, maybe four or five years until I uh, actually uh, found found that that was probably not my life's calling and uh, went into sales with the Nestle Corporation and, you know, got into a place to where that whole client facing, customer facing experience uh, ultimately led me into recruiting. And at the time when someone reached out to me to ask, hey, you should consider headhunting. I I had absolutely no idea what a headhunter was. And so uh, I explored it and found that it was similar, lots of sales type of activities associated with it where it was on the agency side and ultimately, you know, you had to build a, build a, a desk uh, of clients. And, you know, fortunately for me, I had enough contacts to where it, uh, it yielded a, uh, a, a nice, nice you know, experience in terms of quality of life changes. Uh, and so I found a way to parlay that from a small national agency to, uh, to more of a niche focus. And then ultimately, I moved from the agency side to um, to the corporate side, which back in those days, it was really difficult to do, um, but um, it was with Walt Disney. And so uh, I was in the, the city of Orlando and I headed up uh, talent acquisition for the IT team. Uh, so I was the IT recruiting manager for Legacy Systems at Walt Disney um, and I supported Disneyland, Disney World and Disney Hong Kong. And so, you know, that experience uh, led to Dell uh, Computers uh, reaching out to me to have a conversation about a position they had, uh, but it wasn't where they were headquartered, which was in uh, Round Rock, Texas. They were uh, looking at someone to launch their Latin America recruiting practice and be based in the country of Mexico. And I uh, no interest in being in Mexico, but I met my wife who in Chicago, who was born and raised in the country of Panama. I did ask, look, if you ever decided to move that role to Panama, then please consider me. Well, 
less than 90 days later, they decided to move the role to Panama. And uh, long story short, I, I got the position. Uh, I relocated my family, myself, my wife, and my uh, one-year-old daughter at the time to wow. the country Panama. And, you know, Karen, it was probably the best move, I career move I ever made um, because it, it challenged me to really think differently. You know, you walk in with a with a set of ideas on on how life really is. But all of a sudden, here you are leading a function that supports Central and South America. So you not only had Spanish speaking countries, but also Portuguese speaking countries in Brazil. Right. And, um, you know, they assigned me with cultural coaches um, to learn the cultural differences between Brazil and Chile and Argentina and Peru and Colombia, Mexico, El Salvador, and all of Costa Rica. Uh, and then how do you put it all into play? Because it was a pretty large team. And so, you know, that experience alone just was so invaluable from the people that I got to meet the team that I was able to assemble, um, the ability to be that bridge from what was sort of the mentality of thinking in the United States where it was a one-size-fits-all approach to where, hey, you've got some large countries in uh, Central South America, including Brazil, which is as big as the U.S., right. um, where they were really becoming um, you know, uh, key players in the world. And so how do you build processes that could be consistent and can scale across um, geographies um, and, you know, bring some consistencies uh, and processes so that the candidate experience was being met across the world? And so that was my job to be the bridge from, you know, what we knew in the U.S. to what was the reality in Latin Central South America and bring it all together. And so, you know, uh, four and a half years later. Um, I was repatriated back to the United States after a job well done. We went from uh, the Panama location not being the corporate headquarters of Latin America um, at around 1,100 employees to just over 3,000 employees after four and a half years. Um, the headquarters being moved from Mexico to Panama and you know was able to hand off uh, my work to someone else because I had identified a successor who was able to kind of run and scale it even bigger than what we were able to do um, during my tenure there. So you repatriated uh, back to Florida? I actually repatriated to, uh, I went to Texas. That was when they landed me in Texas. And so <laughs> they finally got you in Texas. They finally got me to Texas, but it wasn't in a role that I, I truly had passion around, which I'm I'm a lifelong recruiter, and so I love the talent acquisition experience, and that's what I wanted. Um, the role that was waiting for me was not in the TA space; it was more on the HR side, which which was fine. But you know, I I just missed that experience, and so Microsoft came calling, and Microsoft had a role uh, even bigger than the role I had at Dell, uh, but two supporting Latin America. Um, but it would bring me to where uh, Microsoft's Latin America headquarters is, which is here in South Florida. And so they moved me from Texas to South Florida. And that's where uh, that's where we uh, we basically have been ever since. And so um, stayed with Microsoft until it became time for me to consider what my next opportunity was with them, which 
would have taken me either to Seattle or somewhere else internationally. And um, uh, what I failed to mention is that while we were in Panama, we had a second child. Uh, our son was born in Panama. And uh, it, it was we did not want to move internationally. And my wife, being from the Caribbean, uh, probably would not have fared well in the cold climate in Seattle. And so it uh, it's funny. That's what started my journey into the wine and spirits business, because I got a phone call from a company called Diageo. You may know of them. Oh, uh, yeah, I know them very well. <laughs> uh, and uh, Diageo needed someone to run their what uh, run their recruiting function uh, in the Americas, and they selected me, and it allowed me to stay here in South Florida. And so that's why I first got my uh, my my first stint of working in the uh, adult beverage industry. Uh, albeit on the supplier side, certainly different than being on the dis- uh, distributor side, but right. nonetheless, uh, it, it did give me the education I needed um, to to really understand, you know, what were the key drivers uh, from the supplier side, those key partnerships that you need to consider. And then at the same time, I found that the experiences that I had in blue chip technology companies, hospitality companies, that whole methodology of really finding talent and partnering with stakeholders in the business to deliver talent that could really impact their business strategy. Um, it didn't matter what industry you were in. It, it worked. It, that blueprint worked no matter where you went. And so right. I was able to it with me. Right. Now, okay, here's a quick question. Yeah. What did your wife think about coming back to the States? Was she okay with that? You know, it was funny because my we my wife had moved to uh, to Chicago when she was right before she started high school, which um, being from Panama uh, going into and it was in February, by the way. Oh, boy. Uh, what a shock. It really tested uh, her willpower to be able to 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 adapt to an environment outside of a uh, outside of a tropical environment. Right. So, um, you know, she struggled, but ultimately um, Chicago became home for her. And so, you know, it was uh, the part of Panama where we moved uh, and where she grew up, although Panama is not a huge country. Um, obviously, you've got the canal there, which is you can be on the Pacific side and then maybe an hour and 10 minutes later on the Atlantic side. Right. She was more on the Atlantic side and we were on the Pacific side. And so she uh, her family was uh, was still a little ways away, an hour and a half. But it was it was difficult to uh, it, it, I won't lie. It was difficult to inform her, hey, it's my assignment's over. Right. It's time to go back. Um, yeah, that, those are interesting conversations. But at least you've taken her somewhere more Caribbean-like to be in Florida. So that's yeah. something she's maybe a little more used to as far as the climate. And right. I find it really interesting as you're telling the story. You started off saying, you know, you were a headhunter, which is basically someone who helps other people find jobs. And, and then you were a recruiter. And then it sounds like as a recruiter, you yourself have been re-recruited over and over, you know, between Dell and Microsoft and Diageo, you know, the recruiter became recruited. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, that's, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I don't, I don't know if I have, but I will now, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was a big bit of a shift. Yeah. And, and for those who don't know who Diageo is, because we've mentioned it and I always like, you know, people are going, I don't know who that is. So Diageo is a very, very large, one of the largest uh, spirits 
uh, suppliers. They they own a lot of big spirits brands. You'll have to help me out because I know they've changed brands a lot. I know they still own Smirnoff. Um, what are some of the other big brands that Diageo? Johnny Walker. Um, while I was there, they uh, they acquired um, Don Julio, so um, frequented the uh, their facility in uh, in Guadalajara. Um, so yeah, they've uh, they are they at that time. I think they still are. Um, they were the world's largest producer of spirits. Yeah, they're big. Yeah, for sure. Did you happen, just out of curiosity, to know somebody named Pete Hammer? I did not. I did okay. not. But they were so big. Yeah, they were so big. And yeah, he uh, he was pretty far, far, high up the food chain. But I just figured I'd ask. It was a long shot. So okay, so now you're in the industry. Uh, you don't really have a adult beverage background, and you know, to as you mentioned, sort of though, to do what you do. You don't really necessarily have to, you know, be a master sommelier or a master of wine, right? You don't need wine credentials so much. It might be helpful, um, but but you don't necessarily have to go down the WSET path um, or anything like that, right? No, I don't. But um, but I will, and and one of the biggest reasons I will is just like my my role. Um, I, I interact with. Um, every, virtually every executive in the company. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, just to give you a, an overview of, of the function that I sit in, we, we do all hiring. And, and to the point you made earlier, we are the gatekeepers of talent coming into the company. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's promoting our, our employer brand or our, our college recruiting piece uh, or that early professional, early career professional uh, into the experienced professional, all the way up to the executives. That's that's my remit. Is we hire anyone anyone new coming into the company, they run through my team, and so there are individuals that uh, obviously we have conversations with uh, because of the industry that we're in. It's it's certainly helpful to have that knowledge uh, right. because it does come into play uh, every so often. Yeah, th- that is that's really important and. Um, you know, it's interesting because to me, when I think of talent, when some people think about talent acquisition, they just think you're the person that the resumes are coming across the desk and you're looking at them and deciding whether they get the interview. But there's so much more to it because you are actively recruiting people. You're actively working with universities and colleges and maybe communities that, um, cause not everybody comes out of a, out of a university, but you're actually pursuing actively pursuing employees as well, right? Not just waiting for somebody to happen to throw a resume your way, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a level of, of passive uh, recruiting that happens where we go after those passive candidates who may not promote that they're potentially uh, active in the marketplace. Um, but we, we consider ourselves, I, I call ourselves sometimes marketeers, where we have to be brand ambassadors for our um, the Southern Glazers brand. So how, when we have someone in front of us who may be on the fence as to whether or not they want to leave their job and come and work for us, how, how do we, how do we sell and promote the brand effectively to where by the time we get off that call, that individual is, yes, sign me up. I really do want to have that conversation. And so, um, that's one part of it. But then we also, um, want to find ways in which that talent can, uh, who we can't reach can find ways to understand who we are. So right. how do we use, how do we become more innovative and use the technology that's in front of us and that we, we have in house 
to really push our messaging out a bit more effectively and a bit more broadly than my team is able to to do. So they we're able to do it at scale. And so we've got two different processes happening uh, at once that allows us to really cast a wide net on the talent and educating them on who Southern Glazers is um, and why you should consider coming to work at Southern Glazers. Yeah, I really think that's important, um, not just to wait till somebody says, oh, I think I want to work for a distributor and throws a resume out there. You know, you you want to be actively looking for people that, you know, really have the the skill set that you need. And and that skill set doesn't necessarily mean previous wine experience or wine credentials, does it? No. And so, and I mentioned, um, I, I didn't have it when Diageo uh, called me. And now granted, it was a part of why uh, when Southern Glazers was looking to fill this position, why they, and how they found me. Um, but ultimately, not everyone that we uh, contact has the experience in the the adult beverage uh, world. Um, you know, we're we're a skill based hiring uh, company. That's our philosophy, and so it doesn't necessarily mean you have to come from that industry. Uh, but as long as you have the skills, you know, whether it's like our IT department, which we affectionately call our ETP, Enterprise Technology Partners. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously those the the folks that we hire. Um, do not come from our industry. Um, we do have salespeople. Um, obviously, our, our college early career talent, they're coming to us. They may have interned with us or maybe have interned in other uh, organizations, um, but they don't necessarily have that experience either. And then sales, uh, sales consultants and sales are a big driver of the population of folks that we hire uh, externally. Um, you know, the majority of them do not come with that experience. And so, uh, we feel we've got a, a solid uh, process in place that um, puts individuals through a really a structured onboarding program that allows the gaps that may exist in their knowledge of our industry uh, to be filled through trainings, learnings, shadowing opportunities, so that when it becomes time for them to uh, to to jump into their role, uh, we feel we've effectively trained them and given them the tools and resources they need to be effective at their jobs. And, and what are, so let's say, you know, you're either you're, by your recruiting or somebody just sending a resume, what are, what are things for in general, because you, I know your team covers a lot of different roles, but are there certain things that sort of move that, that catch your attention either in a positive way or, or in a negative way? In other words, is college, a college degree really a prerequisite? In, in your opinion, or is it, you know, especially you look, talked about sales being the biggest group, um, you know, is having some kind of customer exp- customer facing experience, whether it's not necessarily with wine, but, you know, have you worked in a restaurant or have you worked in a retailer? You know, what are the what are the, the hot buttons you that get your attention and say, oh, this is somebody I want to read more about? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think it, it, it really does depend on the career level and what you're going at. But, you know, if I would uh, thinking in terms of sales, again, as that's a, a big part of big amount of in terms of numbers of hiring that we do on an annual basis, um, you know, do it is important for us to have some sales related experience um, that would be ideal if it's uh, an early career talent, you know, having some form of uh, an internship experience that they can, um, you know, parlay into you know, a solid uh, full-time role. Um, but, you know, we also look at um, not everyone has that luxury of 
having the experience in terms of, you know, the college, the college experience. So, you know, we do look at um, not all of our roles require uh, a degree. And, um, you know, so we do look at some of the city colleges, um, some of the community colleges uh, for talent that might have, you know, great opportunities, whether it be um, being a participant in some of the the student body organizations, um, you know, community service, those things are important. Um, just any project-based work where we can gauge level of an, uh, engagement or maybe, um, you know, leadership qualities that we tend to look for, where we can um, just kind of take some that are kind of, you know, that early entry into like leadership qualities and start to build off of them when we start to bring them on board. Those are the kind of things we tend to look for. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad we talked about this because, you know, first of all, the great thing about distributors, wine distributors, wine and adult beverage distributors is they're in every single state. I mean, whether it's Southern, you're the largest. How many states are you guys in now? We're in 44 states. 44. Well, so you're in almost every single state now and and growing and probably get there someday. Um, but as long as somebody's drinking wine in your state, there's a distributor attached to that bottle probably. And it's important. You know, I, I think a lot of people feel... I get calls all the time. I, I also do career coaching and, I, and I'll have students that will sign up and they'll say, well, you know, I have to get my WSET level three because I want to go pour wine in a tasting room. What? <laughs> You'd be shocked to know how many people here in Napa do not have even level one. <laughs> so, you know, I think there's a little bit of a myth that to get into anything, whether it's sales or, um, you know, a sales role in particular, but also, you know, t- tasting room, you don't always have to have those big credentials. It's, of course, if you're competing against other resumes, it helps for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you don't want to not, you don't want to say, oh, well, I don't need it. Um, although funny story, when I was in the distributorship in my early career, this is, I want to hate to admit it, this is back in the 80s. <laughs> um, I was working for a, a private comp- company, the one that be- ultimately became Glazers, and I was selling to restaurants. And I said to my boss one day, we had one guy in our distributor that was taking court, that was t- uh, on the master of wine path. And I said to my boss one day, the owner, and I said, you know, should I be starting, a, you know, taking some beginner classes or, and he goes, no, we'll teach you everything you need to know. So I found myself in my fifties, fast forward later, I wanted to be an educator and boy, did I have a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> so now I'm taking classes with like 20 year olds and or 21 year olds anyway, but uh, it never hurts, never hurts to have some credentials under your belt. Absolutely. Sure. That's true. And, and you know what, and even then to the point that you made as, as a career coach, even if you don't um, just having that ability to look at what you do well. And, you know, as you, as you look at that and identify that, understanding the opportunities that you feel those skills can transfer easily into and being able to articulate that. um, I think that's extremely helpful as well. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree. There's a lot of roles in the world that are they don't call them sales roles, but if you look at them right, you can see there's a lot of sales in there. You know, restaurants, yeah. if you're a waiter or a bartender, there's a lot of sales going on there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, you know, every time I go to a restaurant, anytime I I see a great server, um, I, I case in point, it was about six weeks ago. We were in New York uh, at a conference 
and went to Tony's and enjoyed a nice glass of wine. Right. And um, and the waitress was just amazing. And I just told her, I, I just love your personality. You would work so well in our environment. If you ever get tired of, of you know, the industry you're in today and want to consider joining our company, here's my card. Um, a week later, she shot me an email. Wow. And we struck up a conversation. She grew tired of, of being in the restaurant industry and um, got her in a process. Uh, I, I have to follow up to see where where it wound up for her, but um, those are just things that are commonplace on our side. It's just, just right. great service is, is hard to come by. And so when you for see sure. it, yeah, yeah, you want to reward yeah. it. So you really always are recruiting, aren't you, Vince? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know how to turn <laughs> it off. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a blessing and a curse. It's like being a, a Chicago sports fan. You know? Right. Just, <laughs> well, you know, you've been from Cleveland. You kind of know it as well. Oh, yes. It's it's hard to be a sports fan from Cleveland. <laughs> Not so bad being out here with the 49ers. On the uh, there you go. Really yeah. hard in Cleveland. Yeah. So, um, so you have a team. How many, how many management people are on your team? So I have, um, yeah, so today I have uh, three directors who report into me. Um, one that covers our, our commercial um, practice, one that com- uh, covers uh, operations and our non-corporate uh, ETP roles or non-ETP corporate roles, I'm sorry. And then I have a director that really is, is tied more to my recruitment strategy. Um, so they're sort of a jack of all trades that looks at technology, looks at processes, all of those things that are important to us from a compliance standpoint um, that she's uh, she's there. Um, kind of my right-hand person. Um, then I have a manager who uh, oversees our IT department hiring. Um, I have Debbie. You mentioned Debbie, uh, my recruitment marketing manager, which was a new a role that didn't exist when I joined. And so um, I'm proud that that worked out. Um, and then I have my early career manager, um, and Chip Teresi, who um, you'll, you'll talk to at another point in time. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'd love to go into all those, all the roles that they oversee, but, you know, time is of the essence and, and we will just so the audience knows we are going to dissect all of those, those broad overviews into specific roles and how to set yourself up for success and some, some good advice uh, for that. Earlier, we talked about, you know, what are some things you look for on a resume? Is there anything like a pet peeve of yours that they nobody should put on a resume? <laughs> anything that just sets you off? Well, you know, first of all, I think uh, pictures on a resume is a no-no for me. Ah, um, okay. That's yeah. good to know. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that, that's a no-no for me. Um, yeah, I always say uh, just try not to have gaps in your resume um, when you're building it out. Uh, pay close attention to the timelines. Um, that's extremely important. And then, look, there's uh, th- there's no need to have those four or five page resumes any longer. Um, just try to be as concise as possible um, and keep your resume down to uh, two pages if you can. And then, you know, what's, what's happening now is with the onset of social media. Um, look, I think there's uh, more organizations are looking at your social profile first before yeah. they even get your resume. And so be very cautious about what you put out there on social media. Um, and, you know, take the time to really 
beef up your your LinkedIn profile um, because very similar to my organization, um, most companies are will go out and see your LinkedIn profile first, and if they see some things that are attractive to them, they'll uh, will certainly proceed to want to have a deeper conversation. Uh, but if they see some red flags out there, they'll uh, they'll definitely pull back. Yeah, that's a good point. In fact, I have a LinkedIn expert coming on first uh, of February uh, on one of the episodes, and she's going to give us some really good hints. You know, we talk about social media and maybe what not to do, but when I, you know, when I work with my coaching clients, especially the ones that really have no real wine experience, one of the things I think can help, you know, is, you know, get all the, get all the cheesecake off of there. We don't need to see a picture of you in a bikini with a wine glass. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's unless, unless that's going to really be your thing and you're going to be an influencer and that's your brand. That's, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you want to get into sales or, you know, a, into a, a, a regular job, if you will. But, um, and, and don't write tasting notes. Nobody can taste your wine. You can tell the story about the wine. That's always really interesting to people. But to write a long tasting note, it's like, no, it's a snooze fest. But the thing is that is really good to do on social media is to stretch your wine chops a little bit, especially if you don't have experience. Show that you are at least an an informed enthusiast, even if you've never taken a class, do a little research and talk about something. If you're drinking a glass of wine tonight with your dinner, it's great to take a picture of it with the food and then tell something about the wine or the region. Again, don't go into war and peace. Nobody has the patience for that, but it, it will show, even if you don't get one single like from your friends, they will, by the way, but that way, to your point, if a recruiter or a company is looking at your social profile and they'll see, oh, this person really likes wine or really likes spirits or is really into cocktail creations or whatever it is. Um, and, and do the same thing with LinkedIn. Write some original wine or beverage content and don't be afraid to share other people's content. Give them credit. But the more you know, you can showcase that you really have a passion for wine. I think that, I mean, would you agree? Is that a plus? Would you yeah. look at that as a plus? Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it shows that, uh, that there is a passion there. Right. Um, and so obviously that, uh, that's something I would recommend it. You know, I, I, you mentioning that I actually wish I would have, I wish LinkedIn were around when, um, when I, I first got my, uh, uh, got my, started my interest in, in wine. And, you know, it was uh, a time when I was in Latin America and my wife joined me on a uh, business trip where uh, we started in Argentina and we went to Chile. And while we were in Chile, we had a weekend where they set up a a wine tour for us. And we just we drove down the coast of uh, Chile. We went to uh, Vermont. We went to the Conchi Toro vineyards and they set up really elaborate tastings for us and Mm -hmm. meetings and it just it was such a great experience um on our way down to Viña del Mar and um just a a quick plug if anyone ever has an opportunity to get to Santiago Chile I would highly recommend it it's just a fantastic vacation um but that really started me on my wine journey and I I wish I would have had an opportunity to document that um because we just made such great friendships and, um, you know, had great experiences along the way. It just, it would have been great to have a, a platform in which to capture that, but right, I still right. have it in my mind. So it's, it'll yeah. always be. 
Yeah, and, and wine travel does make up for some lack of experience as well, you know, traveling to wine regions and, you know, you learn a lot and it's a whole lot of fun and it, you know, put that on your resume. If, if I always do. If I've been to different wine regions, I put that Absolutely. on there. So um, give us um, a few of the benefits of working A, in the, in the wine industry through a distributor and you know, then specifically Southern Glazers wines. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I'm, it, it's hard to really define the, the benefits as a distributor. Um, these are what I, I say about Southern Glazers wine and spirits. We don't, we don't make anything. And um, what we are is we are the wholesaler. We represent the brands in the markets in which we sell. And so um, obviously with prohibition where it's the, you know, the three tier distribution, the model where it's the supplier, it's the consumer. And then in the middle, you have to have that wholesaler, uh, the distributor, and that's us. And so, um, you know, but it's great relationships that we have with our suppliers. Um, we have an opportunity to, you know, it's interesting because we, again, we don't, we don't own the brands, um, but we have to find a way to promote the brands effectively in the markets because right. that's our job. And, but then at the same time, we're trying to figure out a way to promote Southern Glazers in a way in which it's, it's our employer brand. No, you're not coming to work for Bacardi. No, you're not coming to work for Diageo. Uh, this is Southern Glazers. They are our suppliers. And here's what that means. And here's what that, uh, you know, that uh, that opportunity presents for you uh, as a potential employer. And so uh, in terms of Southern Glazers, look, it's, we're since 2016, when we merged with Glazers. Uh, so at that time, it was uh, the Southern Wine and Spirits based here in, in South Florida. Um, you had Glazers, which was based in, in Dallas. Uh, it was just a great strategic um, uh, merger. Uh, it made perfect sense. Obviously, at the time, the Southern was number one, Glazers number three, and together we just solidified our positioning as number one. But, you know, these there were uh, legacy, uh, legacy processes that were in place that Always been, it made a little bit bumpy um, that uh, that that merger. I know I lived through that. <laughs> so you know, you know all about it, but you know, back forward to today, um, we are we're just under twenty, a little over twenty three plus thousand employees, operating in forty four states. Um, are, are we're just having tremendous years the last the couple of years. Um, and, you know, just we continue to grow and acquisitions and expanding our supplier relationships are going to continue to be a part of our growth strategy. But, you know, once we came out of COVID, um, we we literally our standard jobs, the number of jobs we would have open at any given point in time would range around eight to nine hundred. Um, but fast forward to today, we've continued to hover at around nineteen hundred. And it's just simply because the. Yeah, the market is is changed. The off premise, um, it uh, it can it continued to thrive during COVID. On premise struggled, um, but now on premise is obviously bounced back. Uh, hotels, uh, restaurants, everyone's you know open, um, but people continue to want to celebrate. Um, they want to make up for lost times, lost weddings, lost birthdays, whatever it may right. be. Um, but we uh, we continue to look at. Uh, individuals who have a passion for um, selling, who excellent communicators, high energy. Um, but the benefits of working for Southern Glazers is you, you walk into an organization with a, 
a very rich history uh, with a, uh, a culture um, that's, you know, it's, it's all of our family values are there. Um, and so we, you know, we fulfill our, our potential with our, our, our customers and our suppliers um, through just leadership and everything we do. Um, integrity and inclusiveness, um, those are all hallmarks. And one of the things that we uh, tend to do is we want to create great experiences for our employees um, because we know what that means. And, you know, and experiences are uh, different for everyone. And so how do we make sure we create individualized experiences um, that allows them to feel as though they're, you know, they're bought in and they now they recognize the culture and it means something to them. And then at the same time, you know, that experience will lead to highly engaged workforce. And, you know, there's so many benefits that come from that, from productivity to, um, you know, retention, uh, and the list goes on and on and on. So those are things that we're really working on and we're really trying to build our capabilities in those areas um, because that's an extremely important part of, of who we are as an organization. Yeah. The two things that I really love about Southern Glazers is that you're very big into education and to, in whatever area the person is working, you, you know, you really offer education opportunities, whether it's WSET for your sales team or, you know, IT programs for your IT teams, um, you, you know, that continuing ed is always available. Um, and you also do a great job working with your big supplier partners to bring in their abilities to continue to educate on their specific brands. So that was always something that really impressed me. And also, you know, again, knowing so many people that have worked for your company and still do, you know, the opportunities for advancement. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we had Bailey Jens on a couple months ago and boy, she's just had all these great opportunities to really develop herself. She came out of sales, went into HR. She's been, you know, I, she was a, she, she's a good example of that. But I know a lot of people that have really moved up the ranks, um, you know, maybe not tomorrow, but it happens. And you do a good job of identifying those that are promotable and you work with them and you train them and you get them. You don't just say, okay, we're going to tell you you're a manager now and we're not going to tell you what to do, <laughs> which yeah. is very common in this industry. <laughs> you have a title, but we're not going to teach you what that is. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, by the way, Bailey, Bailey reported into me when she was in HR. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's great. She's really great. Yeah. Great example. Yeah. Well, we're heading into the home stretch. You know, I, as I mentioned to you earlier, I always like to close with some actionable items. We, we've covered a few of them, you know, hitting up your social media, making it a little more wine centric, you know, some of the things you can do on your resume, either to do or not to do on your resume. Are there any other, what other things can somebody who's listening right now, you mentioned you guys have 1900 open jobs. What's somebody, what can somebody do to set themselves up for success or to get into this industry? Yeah. So I would first do my homework because I like like any other industry, um, it's it's not for everyone. And so do your homework, uh, get an understanding of, of what it means to be on the distributor side and then identify who are some of those key distributors that you feel uh, whose values um, based off of what you can identify on the Internet um, align with with your values, uh, because the one thing you don't want, I would highly recommend you not do is. Uh, you know, go to an organization whose values differ from yours, um, because that you know that that won't last long and that won't end well, and that's just not something you'd want to have um, uh, attached to you. And so, 
do your homework, identify who the distributor is that you would want to go to. Hopefully you land on Southern Glazers. Uh, <laughs> yes. A shameless plug. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> go to our website. Uh, we we just redid our website uh, where it really has employee testimonials, videos. It has a lot of that historical information that can tell you uh, maybe fill in some gaps that uh, you may not be able to find as you do your research um, that can help guide you to uh, making a well-informed decision. And then ultimately find your way to our career site, which Again, to the point you made earlier, uh, we do have a little less than 1,900 roles today, um, but it will identify locations and parts of the country where you want to be, um, types of roles, gives you, uh, even if you're coming out of the military, uh, we now just added a, uh, a military translator, um, which yep, which takes the um, your rank in the military and matches it to an appropriate job uh, in our organization. And so these are things that didn't exist six months ago. They're all there today. So right, those are my right. recommendations. And that is a good resource to find, you know, because we're, we're talking in very broad strokes here. We haven't really talked specifically about any one particular job, except maybe a little bit about sales. But, you know, there are all kinds of jobs in all kinds of states. And, you know, if you're if sales scares you, although you're probably better at it, most people are better at it than they think they are. But nonetheless, um, you know, there's other opportunities. It doesn't have to be sales. And that's a good place to kind of find, like you said, what, how do you, how can you match your skill set? Um, and, and then my last bit of advice is if you see a job you like, apply for it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm going to run something by you, Vince, because I tell my coaching clients all the time, and I say it on the podcast, don't ever let a job description stand in your way of applying for a job you want. In other words, there's always the laundry list of what the employer is looking for, no one or rarely does anybody check every single box. If you're short on a couple of them, submit your resume anyway, because you might have life experiences that make up for some of that thing. Would you say that's true or am I giving bad advice? Yeah, no, no. I think you're spot on. And, you know, that that just, that really um, has me uh, continue my focus on developing really well-written and well-descriptive job descriptions um, because sometimes they do, they are a bit vanilla. Um, they are a bit bland and they don't really describe in detail what the true responsibilities are. And historically, you know what, you look at the first three to four bullet points, those are, those are normally there for a reason. Those are the ones where they're, they're usually most important. Uh, and so I would also say, look at the job description and also pay attention to keywords. If you see duplications in the job description, that's a uh, it, to me, that's an indicator uh, as to how you can uh, set yourself up on social media to be found by a recruiter when they do a search for that particular skill. Yeah. And it also is you can use those words on your resume and you can use those words in your cover letter. Absolutely. Um, and they that way they know you really did pay attention to what it is they're looking for. I think the hardest one is when it says you must have four years of previous wine experience. That's yeah. a hard one. And and I always tell that's the one I, I wouldn't say ignore it completely. If you have zero experience and they're asking for four years, okay, that may not be appropriate. But if you have two years, but you have success stories to go with that, that's a whole nother conversation. You know, you you have to I always say that list is the unicorn they're looking for. So no one's gonna check every box. Absolutely. <laughs> so well, thank you for validating that because I was I thought I was giving decent advice. I'm glad to know I am. <laughs> 
Gosh, this has flown by. We, it always does. I'm always surprised how long we talk and, and uh, by the end. But I really appreciate not just you. I do appreciate you. I appreciate Debbie's work in setting this up and the rest of your team who's going to be on in a few weeks and uh, just being so open about what you guys do at Southern Glazers and helping you know our audience understand not just about Southern Glazers, but about distributor jobs in general. Um, I love the the key takeaways with the resumes. I think that's so huge and LinkedIn and social media. That's just really, really um, very valuable. So thank you so much for sharing your time and your expertise with us. And I thank you, Karen. I, I really appreciate uh, first and foremost the the time you've given me, and you know, just flat uh, fast forwarding to the future, um, the time you're going to give to my team and the upcoming podcast, because I just give another shameless plug. I, I couldn't do what I do without them. And so I've, I've got a great team and I'm excited to be uh, on on their end as they go through the podcast, because I, I think they're yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to getting a little more specific with them because they, you know, they have key, key things they're looking for. So, and I was, of course, I always thank the audience. We have such a great loyal following here on Wine, Work, and Passion and Appreciate everybody coming back and stay tuned for the rest of the series. Thanks, Vince. Take care. Thanks to all of you for joining. And I hope today's show has inspired you to make a career out of your passion for wine. If you'd like to have a one-on-one career coaching session with me, just use the link in the show notes for more information or to schedule an appointment. This podcast is all about helping you follow your dreams. So feel free to send us your suggestions for guests or topics through our email link that's listed in the show notes. And it means an awful lot when you share us with friends or leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll join us again for our next episode.